Hey, Parker. Hi, Carrie. How are you doing as winter sets in upon us? Yes, it is becoming winter. Yesterday, I took my dogs out for a walk in the woods. By the time I got home, it had already gotten dark. I needed to use a flashlight. I, I wasn't expecting it to get dark so quick. Well, I figure you've got a whole collection of small flashlights, <laughs> the, the, the kind you sang about in that well-known song. And it, it is, in yeah. fact, a flashlight of some sort that we need to negotiate the, the growing edge. Welcome to the growing edge. I'm Parker Palmer. And I'm Carrie Newcomer. To the woods and habit to us and how we live between the words. Well, Parker, um, this week you and I were talking about some favorite poems and quotes that, that we really enjoy. Uh, both of us really appreciate poetry and it's, it's part of our spiritual process, our thinking process. And we decided to do a show. Yeah, working with a, with a poem that we both love. And I think that that uh, decision was accelerated by remembering a quote that we also both love from Rainer Maria Rilke. It's from his well-known book, Letters to a Young Poet, which, which I've always loved. Yes, and I think great. there are millions of people who, who love it. And it's a, a very famous quote, but let me read it to uh, remind everyone of... of um, what Rilke, the, the advice Rilke was giving to a young man who wanted to be a poet like him, who actually wanted to live a life like Rilke's. Rilke says, be patient toward all that is unresolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given because you would not be able to live them. And the point is, to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answers. I, I've, I've always loved that quote because we ask ourselves big questions that don't yield to answers as we conventionally understand them. I mean, some of the big questions about meaning and purpose in life don't have answers like what's two plus two? But Rilke's notion is, wrap your lives around those questions, live into those questions and through those questions, and maybe, just maybe, some distant day, without even knowing it, you will find that you have lived your way into an answer. I, I really treasure that notion, and I think it, it has helped me many, many times to embrace a question that my rational, logical mind could not answer. Yeah, I, I, you know, we have had conversations about this entire idea that, you know, often uh, both you and I write from this perspective of, of questions, uh, not because we know something, but because we have a good question. And mm -hmm. And good questions kind of return. You know, it's not like you ask them once and then you're all done with them. I, I think a good question is worthy uh, of, of returning to and, you know, considering again. So, yeah, I, I, I love this idea of questions, and I've always loved that, that quote. And so it led us to having this particular podcast 
based around a poem, a poem that's about questions uh, by Gene Lohman called Questions Before Dark. Yeah, and I want to say as we, as we start reading this poem and then responding to it, getting into conversation about it, I want to say a word about Gene Lohman, uh, who's not nearly as well known uh, as a poet as I think she ought to be. She died a few years ago at age 93, and I had the great privilege of engaging in, a, in an email uh, relationship with, with Jean in the last six or eight years of, of, her, of her life. And you can, interested people can go to Amazon or to IndieBound, where the independent bookstores list their books, and, and look up her name to see probably eight or ten collections of poetry by Jean, which is spelled G-E-A-N-N-E, Lohman, L-O-H-M-A-N-N. And we're going to post this particular poem, Questions Before Dark, on our website uh, with the podcast so that people can read it there. It's not very long, but it's always helpful, I think, to have the poem in front of you when you're listening to a conversation about it and thinking about it uh, for, for yourself. So please do get acquainted with Jean Lohman. I think of her in the same league as I think of Mary Oliver and some other great folk. Uh, she's really well worth knowing. Now, and you told me an interesting bit of information about uh, Jean that that she didn't start writing poetry until later in her life. Yeah, she was somewhere in, in midlife. Um, and of course, I'm 80, so midlife is like 70 <laughs> or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how old she was. But um, yes, she, she came to it late, but um, just, I think, quickly ascended the mountain and had this amazing poetic view of life. Maybe she came to it exactly when she needed to. That I think she, that's exactly She had to live right. what she lived before she could write the poems about it. So I think that's wonderful. It's, it's very inspiring to hear that someone felt a call later on in their life to something new. And, and uh, it was as beautiful as Jean Lohman's poetry. Uh, and we, I should also say that we'll also post it with our question of the month on our website, because that will be part of our, our, our question this, this month. Yeah, question of the month and the podcast, right. So how about you, how about you read the poem? Sure, I'll, I'll read the poem. And, and then maybe you could read it again. It's always nice to hear a poem twice in different, uh, different voices. Right. Um, it's called Questions Before Dark. Day ends... And before sleep, when the sky dies down, consider your altered state. Has this day changed you? Are the corners sharper or rounded off? Did you live with death? Make decisions that quieted. Find one clear word that fit. At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment that invites the possible? What did you learn from the things you dropped and picked up and dropped again? Did you set a straw parallel to the river? Let the flow carry you downstream. Thanks, Carrie. I, I do love that poem. And I think there are seven questions in there, any, any one of which uh, would uh, command our attention for quite a while. And uh, after I read the poem, I'm going to ask you to pick one of those questions and just respond to it for a while um, with maybe me asking 
some questions for clarification or just out of interest in in your responses and then we'll uh, we'll turn the tables and I'll pick a question and you can uh, you can be my conversation partner in that does that sound about right that sounds great to me okay questions before dark by Jean Lohman day ends and before sleep when the sky dies down consider your altered state has this day changed you are the corners sharper or rounded off Did you live with death, make decisions that quieted, find one clear word that fit? At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment that invites the possible? What did you learn from the things you dropped and picked up and dropped again? Did you set a straw parallel to the river, let the flow carry you downstream? So what, what jumps out at you by way of a question in, out of that rich mix? Carrie? There's so many um, questions, really wonderful, uh, kind of open-ended questions in this, in this poem. Um, and in, in the way of, of beautiful poetry that can lead you in different directions, they point at something instead of actually sh- mm-hmm. show you something. So um, I, I was really touched right where you were reading this about... What did you learn from the things you dropped and picked up and dropped again? Mm-hmm. You know, that seemed to be what did I learn from the things I had to learn and relearn mm-hmm. and then learn again? A sense of um, befriending my own mistakes. Yeah, that sometimes you have to learn something more than once. And, and there's a lot that happens in that process of, oh, I'm I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm always going to travel at the speed of my own soul. <laughs> right. And then right. I'm rushing to yoga, and then, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I I I'm I'm going to travel at the speed of my own soul. So, so yeah, that really jumped out at me a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you understand that process of constant? relearning. I mean, it's sort of like learning, unlearning, or forgetting, and then relearning. I do, I've do. i done a lot of that in my life. I think a lot of people do. How, how do you understand what that, what that dynamic is, is all about? Why do we do it? And uh, are, are we supposed to stop doing it or, you know, to, to achieve perfection on, on that? Or is it, is it just the way of life that that cycle will keep, uh, will keep going on? You know, I I think there's this inference in that that question too. One of the things that I learned was how to be, I guess, more compassionate with myself in this process. Mm. That you know, I think there's a real push to get things right. You know, we're we're supposed to have this figured out. We're we're grown-ups now, and that means we're supposed to be competent and kind of get things right. And that push can can kind of get in the way sometimes that there are things I have to try and learn and then, oops, you know, that doesn't work and then try again. Being okay with the process of that. What did I learn from being okay with that process or not being okay mm-hmm. with that process? What does that say, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why am I being impatient with this yeah. process? Yeah, certainly one of the continual um, demands of life is self-acceptance at, at deeper and deeper levels. 
uh, and not, you know, not getting on our own backs about things like relearning the same lesson time and time again. And it seems to me, I wonder what, how you feel about this. It seems to me that when we do have to relearn the same thing, we're actually learning it probably under new circumstances, um, which which means that it, it it's a new learning. I yeah. mean, for example, not ta- not taking on too much is something both you and I, I think, have to relearn time and time and time again. But but the next temptation to take on too much might be something of such moral or ethical mm-hmm. or human urgency that it's really harder to resist, and maybe we shouldn't resist it, than the last thing, which was more trivial right. or more or more minor. Uh, does that make sense? And that'd sense? be part of that learning process. What what's worth it then? This is this is a time mm. when I'm learning more about that that balance and that process. Um, it, I think about the labyrinth, and you know, the labyrinth is such a um, a really amazing symbol for me. I, I there's sev- several labyrinths that I I've walked and I enjoy walking. Um, and the idea that a labyrinth is not a maze. There's no tricks. There's no dead ends. You just keep going forward, and you're heading toward this this center of wholeness, but you keep seeing it from d- different perspectives that sometimes you're really close to it, and uh, sometimes it seems like you're much farther away, but you're seeing that uh, wholeness from a whole different angle. Um Mm-hmm. I, I had to go back and go back around and uh, and look at it from another perspective. So, yeah, I've always found the labyrinth is a, a, a really powerful image that way. Yeah, it's a, it's a great image for the very thing we're, we're talking about and, and sort of finding different routes toward the same center. I'm, I'm sitting here wondering why I've never or at least very rarely walked a labyrinth and I I think it's probably because my mind is such a labyrinth that it's hard for me to find my way out <laughs> into, into the external world. But I ought to try to externalize it sometime. <laughs> well, you know, we've kind of talked about this question a little bit. So for you, Parker, what jumped out at you today? Well, as I read this poem, which is, which is like all good poetry, is worth reading and rereading and rereading again, um, because something, the circumstances of life keep changing and something new happens that draws your attention to some new part of the poem. It's interesting to me that, that this simple question in the middle of the poem, did you find one clear word that fit, mm. um, is, is the question that really, uh, that really spoke to me this time around. And I'm, I was sitting here trying to understand why that was. And I think it, there's a story from, from today that, that goes with the answer to that. So I woke up this morning um, in, a, in kind of a dark place. Um, it's winter. I, I'm not a great winter fan, even though I'm, I live in winter country of the, of the upper Midwest. Um, and so I'm, and I grew up in the Chicago area, so I'm very accustomed to hard winters. But this has been an especially cold, icy, snowy, and and dark uh, mid-fall, really. We're we're still a month and a half away from 
the official beginning of winter. And I, I noticed it already starting to, to, you know, bear in on me with something like, what do they call it, SADS, Seasonal Affective Disorder, I guess, S-A-D. And, and since I'm, I'm kind of a professional melancholic, uh, that, that always uh, kind of uh, gets, gets to me as the shorter days and the, and the longer nights set in. But, but what I've learned over the years about waking up in a dark place or having a dark mood come over me at any time of the day is that if, if I can name it, if I can ask a simple question, where is this coming mm. from? And, and name the source as best I'm able or the sources. And it, it often is multiple sources. It's not just weather. It's something that happened in my personal life or something that happened in my work life or something that I'm unhappy with myself about. If I can name it, it helps me get perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that kind of perspective helps me to get outside of it a bit, to, to get some uh, control. I'm not sure that's the right word, but to get perspective yeah. on it and to begin to understand more clearly that this, that this isn't just some sort of uh, mysterious fog that has rolled in on me and obscured my vision and tamped down my heart, but it's the result of circumstances that can be named. Mm-hmm. And the mood may be calling me to think more clearly about what I did in those circumstances that ended me ended me up feeling this way about them. Um, or in, in, in some way, naming it helps me get leverage on it, right? Is that making that, sense? That makes sense to me. And, and, you know, and I think that idea of putting things into language, sometimes we have a lot of, we have feelings, we have things that are going on, and sometimes can be really confusing on just what's happening. And I think that's why some people journal, um, because it's putting into language something. I mean, I'm sure you've had the you know situation where in talking, having a heartfelt conversation with someone, you hear yourself saying something that that you didn't quite know that was there yet, that you, you were verbalizing something and, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it just helps to have a good friend who's trustworthy with the, the things that you, you care most about, which are probably the same things that vex you the most. Um, and I absolutely agree that either writing or talking um, about these things uh, achieves the same goal, which is to is to get outside them a bit, to just to to get. Um, I was going to say to distance yourself from them, but I don't mean to run away from them. I, I just mean to get more clarity yeah. about them, more perspective on them. I'm I'm convinced that that's that the, that that's why I became a writer mm-hmm. many many years ago. I'm convinced it's because I'm such a mess that I've written <laughs> ten books. It's an endless, it's an endless, it's a, it's, it's great. It's an endless job. That means, so it's an endless career. Yeah. And if you just if you just keep being a mess, then you yeah. get to write more articles and more books and more poems, and you can maybe make a living out of out of your own mess. Well, we're, um, we're but, laughing there, but you know the idea. I mean, of being 
open and human. And that's one of the things I've always loved about your work partner is that it's, it takes the risk of being fully human with whatever that means. It's joy, it's delight, it's bad puns. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's the struggles and the dark places and it's, it's completely human and, and it's questions. It's, it's asking those good questions. What does it mean to live an authentic life? A really, you know, well, thank you. That, you know, coming from you who does the same thing in music, that, that, that means a lot. And I really think it is, um, in, the, in the fullest meaning of the word therapeutic, a therapeutic process. I, as I understand it, the, the word therapy really roots in some words that are basically have to do with giving life, mm-hmm. um, and bring, bringing, bringing wholeness. And since we'll never achieve perfection as it's normally understood, which I think would be a very boring place to be. I mean, I find it quite interesting to be a mess and, <laughs> and, to, and to live in the mess. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it helps me meet all kinds of other really messy people who I find quite interesting, too. Yeah. Uh, Being that, human that is kind of messy. It is. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this, this notion, find one clear word that fit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, d- d- so Gene Lohman is saying, did you do that today? Did you find one clear word that fit? Yeah. And since these are questions before dark, they're sort of questions before sleep. And if, if I'm still struggling with something before I go to sleep that has been with me all day and I haven't taken the time or done the inner work to find one clear word um, about whatever that that problem was, I'm going to sleep better if I take some time uh, ahead of going to sleep to try to find that that word as as it as it were. And I I think what's interesting here is that one clear word does not mean that you clear up the mess. No. It means that you have a clear way to name it and to claim it. And, and, and in claiming it, you then have a chance to, uh, as appropriate, take some responsibility for it. Yes. Or, 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 you know, to realize that you responded in a way that um, kind of contravened your soul yeah. in those circumstances. You either said a yes or a no that wasn't, what your soul wanted to say, um, and and that that can be so helpful because it allows you to set it aside enough to get a, a night of sleep, and it allows you to come back to it the next day with whatever you need to do to yeah. get back uh, uh, following your own north star. Well, going back to the idea, it dropped and picked up and dropped again. It's like that what did I say no to today that I should have said yes? Yeah. What did yeah, I say exactly. yes to that I kind of should have said no? Yeah, and, that's right. That's um, right. And it, so many of the questions in this entire poem, you know, talking about the humanness of the question you pulled out, being able to name something and articulate it to help us with it, you know, um, you know so many of these questions are, are, are very human you know, did you make a decision that quieted you? You know, and what does that mean? What does it mean mm-hmm. that the corners are sharper? Mm-hmm. Is that clarity or does that a sharpness that hurts? 
you know? Mm -hmm. Did you mm -hmm. live with death? Did you know that there's a horizon line and so live fully into today? You know, I mean, there's just mm -hmm. so many, so many really human things about this poem. Yeah, I, I really love it. For the sake of our listeners who may not have access to the poem itself at this moment, let me read it one more time and then ask you for the next question that you'd like to reflect on in relation to your own experience. Is that okay? Okay, yeah. So, Questions Before Dark by Gene Lohman. Day ends, and before sleep, when the sky dies down, consider your altered state. Has this day changed you? Are the corners sharper or rounded off? Did you live with death? Make decisions that quieted. Find one clear word that fit. At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment that invites the possible? What did you learn from things you dropped and picked up and dropped again? Did you set a straw parallel to the river, let the flow carry you downstream? One of the things that really um, seemed interesting, first time I read this poem, was that she starts with a super big question, you know, has this day changed you? Mm -hmm. you know, and then she goes on through all these things that are connected to this idea of change and consideration and reflection. You know, has this day changed you? And I think about that, most of us don't change completely in one, unless there's something really big that happens, the phone call, and nothing was the same again, the diagnosis, and nothing was the same again, the baby that was born, and nothing was the same again. You know, sometimes there is a, a moment, a day where things were changed profoundly in one day. But most the time, you know, I'm looking at change that happens slowly like roots that grow under the ground, you know, that, I don't know, if you've done yoga, there's sometimes these, like, a, a, something that you're doing, a stretch, and then there's, like, a, a release, kind of a, a, a little bit of a relaxation, and it's like, oh, this feels easier, but it happens really slowly, kind of like those micro moments of change, and that some days it doesn't seem like it, you know, sometimes I feel like it was two steps back, you know? Mm -hmm. But, but a, all of that is change, right? But all that is change, yeah. It's a big question. Um, and being, again, being all right with, at the end of the day, saying, you know, what what changed me today? Yeah, I think it's a really, I'd, I'd love to hear more from you about that. Um, you know, I, I have to be honest. Uh, this is all about honesty, the growing edge, and say that if I tried to do yoga, Either I or the <laughs> yoga instructor would die. So that's just, the, that's just, I think there's a law against me doing yoga. So that's not, I'm not going to go that route. But um, it, I, it, it's so interesting to, what you just said that we, we, you know, change is slow. Change is often not discernible. It, it's like what Rilke said about questions, someday, some distant day, you may find your, yourself without knowing it, having lived into an answer, right? Yeah. So in that very statement, there is an acknowledgement that change happens very slowly. 
And the last thing we want to do, to, to quote an old saw, is be like the guy who rips the plant up every day to see how it's growing, because then, then growth doesn't happen. That overly analytic uh, approach that we often have to our lives. Mm -hmm. But isn't it interesting? Yeah. To, to, it sounds to me like you're just very interested in holding the question, how might I have changed today in whatever sort of micro, micro way? What did you learn? You know, I, I, I was talking to a friend who, um, she was doing uh, work in, a, in another country, and one of the traditions in that country was storytelling. And one of the things that would happen at the end of the day is the people in the community would gather, and they would ask the children, what did, what did you learn today? You know, what did you see today? And then the kids would tell a story. And it would tell a story about something they saw that day, something they learned that day, something they heard that day. And I thought, what a, what a wonderful tradition, what a, what a wonderful thing that at the end of the day, to ask your, your partner or your, your child or your friend to, or ask yourself, you know, what did you see today? What did you yeah. learn you know, I think that's a beautiful question. What did you observe in the course of the day, just going through your your ordinary your ordinary rounds? And and you know, if the answer is nothing, which it might be someday, some days for me, that that's an alert to the fact that I was going. I went through the day with my eyes closed, or in some kind of tunnel where I just was missing the whole thing. Yeah, um, I think the saddest I, I, days of all, the saddest days of all for me are the ones where I get to the end of the day and I go, dang, I missed it. You mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. that's, that's a sad day. And I think what she's asking with this, with this poem is, you know, to pay attention so that at the end of the day, you can actually ask, ask these questions of yourself. So much comes back to paying attention, doesn't it? Time and time again. Yeah, it, it does. And I, I should ask you, do you have another question or kind of a takeaway from the whole poem that, that you're kind of sensing? Uh, yeah, I, I have a question, and then maybe that can lead us into some, into some takeaways that, that, again, jumped out at me on this reading. It, it, it wasn't with me when we, when we began this conversation. And that's the one she asks in the middle of the poem, which may somehow connect with all these others that we've been pursuing. At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment that invites the possible? Mm. I don't have the foggiest notion what those words mean, <laughs> <laughs> which is why they fascinate me. They were more obscure for me, too. Yeah, they really are. At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment, that invites the possible. Um, you know, I've I've often said to you and to, to other friends that when folks ask me why I became a writer, I say it was because I was born baffled. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really was. I, I think, uh, looking back, I think I came out of the womb, they slapped life into me, I started breathing, I took a look around, and I started asking, what the heck is this all about? <laughs> you know, this, is a, 
this kind of this craziness that's going on around me in in this room and 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 in the world. I can see um, you being the little kid that walking around going toddling around going why. Why? Yeah, right. Why? 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sky's yeah, somebody, blue. Why? <laughs> somebody explain it right now, or I'm out of here. You know, I'm I'm down the I road to find someone who will explain it. <clears throat> so there's something about. Did you notice a pitch of absence? Yeah. Bewilderment that invites the possible. The one the one piece I do understand in that very interesting question. Um, because I love stuff that baffles me. It's it's what starts me uh, on a deeper journey mm-hmm. of reflection, and I think a deeper form of living. I I love this notion that bewilderment invites the possible. Yes. Um, because um, if we if we aren't if we don't allow ourselves to be bewildered about what's going on in the world and what's going on in ourselves. It will be the same old, same old, all the time, all the time. The possible will will never emerge. What you call, and I love this phrase of yours, the beautiful not yet, will never have a chance to emerge if we don't allow ourselves to be bewildered. you know, I, I know from our conversations how many of your songs have grown out of bewilderment, and you know how many of my books have grown out of bafflement. This this is the particular way we have, or these are the particular ways we have of dealing with our own puzzlement about ourselves and, and the world around us. Um, and, and these days, you look at the world around us, and it, it, it seems to me that you're barely alive if you're not totally bewildered by by what you see. How 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 in heaven's name is all of this happening? And you know, out of respect for everybody's tender feelings, I won't go into detail here. But I I have gone into tender detail in my writing in various venues, and of course, at any time in human history, people have been able to look inside themselves and say, what's this all about? What's going on here? So while I don't quite get the the sun's midpoint and the pitch of absence, uh, it it might mean an absence of understanding. I mean, at the sun's midpoint, there's light on everything, and yet there's so much that remains unillumined. Well, I was thinking about the pitches being like the angle you know, the mm-hmm. angle of absence and, you know, the angle, how when the sun is at midpoint, you know, it casts certain kinds of shadows, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the angle of absence, something that looks like a hole, but, mm-hmm. but it, it's not, and, and it leaves you bewildered for a moment. Mm-hmm. And in that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really interesting line. That's, that's a the, really and, interesting and line. And the bewilderment, she's really recommending bewilderment and, I do too, and I and I, I believe that's true also of you. That bewilderment opens doors that remain closed otherwise, and I think that's a very good image to to carry forward with. Yeah, there's something that happens in that space of of not knowing, of of bewilderment. Uh, I was reading some Mark Nepo this morning, who who we had on the show a few few months ago. Um, wonderful writer, and he was talking about 
how, you know, we create this shell around ourselves like a turtle. And then we kind of outgrow the shell and it breaks. And then we have to grow another one. But then we outgrow that one too. But it's in the breaking. It's in the place where you're rebuilding, you know, that things aren't all tied up in a neat ball or all protected or it's in that moment of vulnerability, that moment of bewilderment, that moment of now I have to rebuild, that something is really possible that might not be possible any other time. And that we keep coming into those moments of possibility just because we're growing and we're letting mm-hmm. go of some things and we're, we're greeting new things. And, you know, in that process, this ongoing um, moment of bewilderment, this moment of unknowing, this moment of possibility. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I think that's a great place to start to bring this, this growing edge conversation to an end. And what could be more growing edgy than a place of possibility, as, as you just named it? Um, maybe you could read the poem one more time, and then we could close out with a couple of brief takeaways. Questions Before Dark Day ends, and before sleep, when the sky dies down, consider your altered state. Has this day changed you? Are the corners sharper or rounded off? Did you live with death, make decisions that quieted? Find one clear word that fit. At the sun's midpoint, did you notice a pitch of absence, bewilderment that invites the possible? What did you learn from things you dropped and picked up and dropped again? Did you set a straw parallel to the river? Let the flow carry you downstream. I kind of feel like that last line, which we haven't commented on yet, describes what we just finished doing. Yeah. Um, I think think we set a straw parallel to the river, and in our own conversation at least, let the flow carry us downstream. And I I think a a takeaway for me, Carrie, is um, I've just been experiencing why it is that I love poetry Mm -hmm. and why it is that it might fairly be said that that poetry has kind of saved my life uh, without being overly dramatic about it. But here here in 15 lines, 15 brief lines, uh, with a spareness of language that's so admirable, Gene Lohman um, poses questions that are so profoundly worth considering. And as we consider them, we find, think of, feel our way into more creative ways to live our, to live our lives um, individually and together. And I, I really treasure that. I, I do too. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a nice way to kind of sum up in terms of takeaways and yeah, I think that's what we were doing today, putting the straw parallel to the river and just letting it flow. And I, I agree with you on poetry. And a lot of times um, I hear people say, well, I don't get poetry, or I, it's hard for me, I don't understand it. I think sometimes talking through it like this with another person um, can be a, just a wonderful way to encounter a poem and and also find a poet that really resonates with you. I mean, I think that's really important too. There's There's a lot of different kinds of music Thank goodness there's not only one kind of music. There's jazz and there's classical music and there's acoustic music and there's traditional folk and there's old time. And I mean, there's just so many different kinds of music. Thank goodness. And so 
I think poetry and poems can be like that too. Find the poet that resonates and then be with it like this. What is it pointing toward? So yeah, Jean Lohman is a, a wonderful place uh, to start in terms of a poem. Yeah, her poems are so, so accessible. I, I, deep, I deeply empathize with the people you mentioned who just say, I don't get poetry, I don't like poetry. I have vivid memories uh, of uh, a time in my life when I, somebody would say, you ought to read this poem, and I would read it, and I would say, look, if this guy or gal has something to say, why don't they just come out and say it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like in all, all the textbooks I was reading. Yeah, but, why do they but keep here, pointing here, at the moon? Here's a way of doing what Emily Dickinson uh, advised that we do. She, she has that great line where she says, tell the truth, but tell it slant. Um, because the truth is simply too bright to run headlong at. You'll get lost in the light. You're, you're, you'll lose your, your vision. But if you tell it slant, you'll be able to see things illuminated in a way that um, you can accommodate and adjust to until you see things more fully. You've been listening to The Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out our next episode. And don't forget to visit our website, newcomerpalmer.com, newcomerpalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation, too. And now we have a favor to ask. If you like today's show, rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into this conversation. All the music you heard on today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer. And much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song, The Clean Edge of Change. And wild appreciation for Alison Quance for creative envisioning, direction, and production, and because she asked really good questions. 